Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. This show was previously recorded. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Cherish it, embrace it. Postseason football is here. Bowl games are back, and it's bittersweet because it means the season's almost over, but you've got, what is it, 44 more college football games on the calendar. Enjoy them all because they will come and go quickly, but they did start today. UAB Miami of Ohio delivered a pretty exciting, fun football game this morning. Not bad. You had a great game, and then you had the extra storyline of Trent Dilfer calling a game of the team he's going to coach with the team that didn't that wanted the outgoing coach to stay. You had great drama, and uh, you can't lose bowl games and win bowl games. Do you see the video of, of him on the sidelines? There's a cheerleader that walked up to him and asked to see his Super Bowl ring, so he takes it off and she takes a picture with him. What a no! Oh yeah, it's hilarious. He, he cheerleader just runs up to him and he takes his ring off and hands it to her like it's no big deal. I mean, hanging out in the Bahamas, getting pictures with cheerleaders who want to see your Super Bowl ring is is not not the worst way to live, I guess. That's not the worst way to live, no. And uh, UTSA currently playing Troy in the Cure Bowl. There was a safety in this one, so it's nine to nothing in favor of the Roadrunners in the second quarter. Again, I don't understand why that game is being played uh, starting at 2 o'clock on a work day for most people, but not Richard Cross, by the way. Michael Borky's Brian Haydad. He's not here. He'll be back Monday. But don't understand it. Doesn't matter. It's on. If you want to put that on while also listening or watching us, that's totally that's your prerogative. We have a, a game that starts yeah. at 10.30 tomorrow morning, local time. 10.30 a.m. Sure. We're always talking about we want these 9 a.m. kicks for uh, for the Pac-12. Let's start getting into it. Excuse Let's start getting me. used to it. It's not 10.30. It's 10. 10, even better. It's yeah. 11 a.m. Start Easter. adjusting your body. Start adjusting your body for these things, all right? You know, start getting ready for them because they're coming. It is great to be with you on this Friday. We're going to talk about bowl games and we're going to do picks. We're going to look at the NFL slate. There's a couple of other things I want to talk about here as well throughout the day. But we want to hear from you on the text line. 601 879 4395 is the text line if you want to be a part of the show. 
That's how we want you to do it on the C Spire text line. 601 879 Whatever you guys uh, want to talk about, we will uh, we'll do it. If you have something interesting, uh, bring it to us on the text line. I do want to start with uh, with something, though. So I get... I would hope you want to start with something. Yeah, I mean, all right. want to start with nothing. Have, uh, have dead air. You know, we get the occasional yeah. listener that tells us to um, only talk about the games that have happened. Right. Yeah, it, like they'll say, don't speculate or things like that. And so we can give them Those their wish and smart. just, yeah, and just see, go uh, dark. Yeah. Those games haven't happened yet. Because <laughs> yeah, we've, um, we, we've talked about the game that happened. We talked about UAB. Yeah. That's it. So, That's the show. Hope you guys have a good one. Great weekend. Borky and I are see you all. Going to jet out a little early today. <laughs> Game in the morning is uh, Cincinnati-Louisville is the early start uh, tomorrow, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock a.m. from The f- drama starts early. From Fenway Park. Not kidding. From from Fenway Park. It looks really cool, actually. The visuals are, are pretty awesome from the field. Well, snowing, yeah. Yeah, snowing as well. But in this business, you know, I don't know how many you get hated. I often get PR pitched from people that are publicists. Oh, yeah. You know, trying to get publicity. Publicists getting publicity. That's uh, an oxymoron or redundant. Either way, (laughs) it'll be authors. I get a lot of emails of political commentators trying to come on to give us their reaction to the new bill or whatever and... You know, I always politely respond and say, you know, please take me off your email list. You're, I'm, you know, it's a sports show. Don't bother. Yeah. Although I did have somebody reply back to me and tell me how rude I was. I, I used seven words. It was a political pitch email trying to get a commentator to come on our show to talk about something of which I strongly disagree with. And I'm, I'm not going to go down that road, but a lot of you guys would also very much disagree with the premise of this proposed appearance, all I said back was, please take me off your email list. That's all I said. Her response was, How you rude. don't have to be rude. <laughs> all I said was, please take me off your email list. That they just it. knew you personally, though. They had listened to the show, and they were like, "He's talking." we're talking about you being rude in general, not to this email. Maybe so, but yeah. And <laughs> Anyway. But this pitch it uh, is one that, I, you know, part of me thinks that we should put this person on the show. So I get the email like I always get. Hey, Michael, Kara Kennedy just wrote a great piece for us in the reaction to, and let me read it in a second, interested in chatting with her, best Avery, like they always, you know, and they send a link to the most recent thing this person worked on or their position or whatever. Here is what Avery is trying to get us to put on our show today. I'll read the first few paragraphs. Okay of what Kara Kennedy just wrote, the great piece that we need to have on Sports Talk Mississippi to talk about. You ready? Ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. The last leg of Meghan and Harry's docuseries aired Thursday where we learned about the... (laughs) 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 Where we learned about institutionalized gaslighting, how terrified Harry is of big bad Prince William, and what Beyonce thinks about the whole saga. The final three episodes, admittedly, were the bombshells some hoped for. Harry and Meghan's usual approach of accusing nameless figures of terrible acts went out the window. Prince William was the villain. 
King Charles didn't come off much better. They even threw in oh. some sly digs at the late queen. No. Oh, no. Not her majesty. <laughs> She's not even riding to defend herself. I, I want to say yes. I really do. I, I want us so like, to book I've this I've gotten some of those. It's usually about, like, disc golf. I get a lot of disc golf emails. Like, hey, you want to talk about the disc golf league? I'm like, no, not really. Um, but that's a good one. I, you know, I I think we can make that work. I think you should book this guest and then not tell Richard what it is. Just say so-and-so joins us or whatever. And then, you know, because he doesn't ever look at the rundown, right? Yeah. Here's how I'll so just be like, all right, who are we talking to? So and so. Okay. What's that about? And then you're like in the break, you're like, oh, she talks about the Harry and uh, Meghan Markle uh, miniseries. All right. I got to do this thing for Will for the next ten minutes. I'll be, I'll just be around though. Just I, leave him in there. I, see how it goes. I really want to do swim. this. And I just want to say, and I'll, like, I won't even put it <laughs> in the notes. I'll just say, oh shoot, I forgot to to put in there, Richard, that we've got a guest coming up. Her name is Kara Kennedy. Um, is involved with the Netflix documentary. And just leave yeah. it open like that. So, Kara, uh, Netflix, uh, what, what's what's the project you're working on? Oh, I review Megan well, and Harry bunch. documentaries on Netflix. Perfect. <laughs> you know what would be really funny and, and not too unsurprising? Would be if Richard go now. So when in episode three, when Harry and he just knows the whole thing, he's been watching it the whole time. Who would be totally surprised by that? Not me. Not me. Somebody says, "Please do this." I swear I will tune in, Brian. You have to keep a straight face. Oh, uh, you need to do it next week when I'm out. There's no way I'd keep a straight face. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd be chortling the whole time. I'm going to do that. I, I swear. It might be this one. It really might. I might just do it because... This might be the one? This might be the one. I mean, Megan and Harry... You can go back just, to the political one that nobody's going to agree with, you know, and just be... Here you go. Uh, so, no, and it's not like a... It's more of like a moral thing that I, I think people would honestly... It, it wouldn't even be funny. Is it pro-nudist? Worse. But you're barking up the, huh? the, the correct tree. Yeah, it's... it's oh. Yeah. Um, e. So we can... I think people can draw their own conclusions there to what it is. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that would cross the line into making people mad to the point where we would get in trouble instead of having okay, an right. off-color. I'll tell you at the break. You'll, you. you'll understand. But I think you can kind of put it together. But uh, I got an idea. Way, yeah, either way, I think the Marion Hagen... Uh, Marion Hagen. Marion Hagen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Mm. I think this one might actually happen because I would love Mary to hear. and Hagen. I would watch. I would. I want to know who Mary and Hagen are. I could care less about Harry and Meghan though. Uh, I do. So, Hagen Harkle and Prince Mary. My uh, my wife is actually like into the royal family stuff, and it, oh yeah, the these the audacity of these people to talk about how they don't have any privacy and they want to just be left alone. Worth on a billion a dollars. Documentary on Netflix. Yeah. The largest streaming platform in the world yeah. with hundreds of millions of subscribers. We just want to be left alone. We just want to be left he alone. He said into the camera. Ridiculous. We'll talk football when we come back. I, I might I'm gonna do something Maybe. like this one day though. I will. 
Maybe. We might talk football. Disc golf or drone racing or something. I'm going to say yes to one of these people. It, It may just be this one. We'll be right back. This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Magnolia trees at night, sparkling bright. Of cotton love, wintery white. When it's Christmas time in New Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll get into some basketball conversation with Dane Bradshaw from the SEC Network and ESPN College Basketball Analyst, their former Tennessee volunteer. Uh, in our next segment, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about Mike Leach's memorial service and hear some of those clips from earlier today. We'll start with uh, a guy that is going to be starting at quarterback on Saturday for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Dallas Cowboys. Gardner Minshew getting the start in place of the injured Jalen Hurts. We talked with his dad last week about his football journey from Brandon High School, graduating early. To Troy, only for Troy not to really follow through with what they said they were going to do, to Northwest Mississippi Community College in Senatobia, to Greenville, North Carolina, where he played at East Carolina, to going to transfer to Alabama and play, slash, kind of get into the coaching line, maybe for Nick Saban, only to get a phone call from Mike Leach to say, hey, instead of holding a clipboard for Nick Saban, Why don't you come lead the country in passing yards for me at Washington State? We, of course, uh, course are talking about Gardner Minshew. Uh, Just want to give my condolences to Sharon and the kids and the Leach family. Uh, And there's a lot of people that share in your grief. You know, there's a lot of people that love Coach. Um, He's touched so many lives, impacted so many people. Uh, I know how much he impacted mine, and I I was really just with him for about six months, you know, right there. And, um, yeah, just sorry for your loss. Um, it's awesome to see everybody, you know, the outpouring this last week or so, all the stories, uh, just seeing the impact the coach had on so many people, whether, you know, you played for him, coached with him, or met him on his walk to work, whatever, you know, he had, he had that kind of way of touching you, you know. Um, as a kid, you know, I love coach. Um, I didn't know him, you know, but uh, when I was in sixth or seventh grade, my dad was my peewee coach. He drove a couple hours because we heard a guy, Wyatt Rogers, Will Rogers' dad, was running air raid. So my dad drove two hours, got the air raid, playbook, brought it back. So some of the first plays I ever ran in football was that. Um, I was at a middle school birthday party when Tech and Texas were playing. Didn't give a damn about the party. I was glued to the TV, had to watch Crabtree score. Um, and in ninth grade, I read Swing Your Sword, and uh, in high school, we ran the air raid. So to say the plan for Coach Leach was a dream, you know, that uh, really doesn't cover it. Um, Man, he was, you know, my favorite coach long before, long before I ever met him. Um, and from that first conversation I had with him, you know, he really changed my world, changed my life from a simple question, just, do you want to lead the country in passing? For a guy that was on his fourth school in four years, 
that never really occurred to me. You know, I thought um, I'd like to go get a chance. You know, maybe get to play up, play some, start a little bit. That'd be a lot of fun. You know. Um, so when he said that, man, it was, a, it was a paradigm shift for me. I'd never set a goal like that for myself. I'd never seen myself in that light. But that was one of the things that made Coach uh, so special, you know. He could um, see that potential in people and help bring it out of you, you know. He didn't um, he didn't believe those really overachievers. If you could achieve it, you know, that was your 100%. But he had a gift of getting you closer to that 100% um, than you ever so that was part of what Gardner Minshew had to uh, had to say today at uh, Mike Leach's memorial service. He was excused from practice today by the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to come and be a part of that service. And uh, you had a lot of people that uh, had to get excused from work or let their bosses know that they were going to be doing something else. I would imagine that uh, the airport in Starkville today pretty busy, uh, pretty busy with uh, a lot of planes getting people yeah. in and out in a hurry. So. Um... Uh, in that video they cut to, to show Will Rogers, it, you can tell he loved his coach, man. It's a, a hard day for him, but goes to show you that, that, that behind the quirkiness there had to have been substance there to, to get his quarterback to, to care for him the way that Will Rogers clearly did. And, I mean, if you think about it, right, I mean, Will Rogers recu- recruited by Mike Leach, to some degree, while he was at Washington State. And then he ends up coming to Mississippi State where Will Rogers is committed. And Will Rogers ends up starting as a freshman in that crazy 2020 COVID freshman season with injuries and opt-outs and positive COVID tests and all of those things. But it gave Will Rogers a chance to grow up in a hurry. And you watched him grow on the football field during that season. And then last year, really good numbers. And good numbers again this season for uh, for Will Rogers. Who else can we hear from, Borky? Here's uh, Lincoln Riley. So uh, I'll give you the car ride. How's, uh, how's that? I'll give you the car ride that he and, uh, he and Mike Leach had where Mike Leach mistaked an angry driver for a fan. Um, it's the day before the 2008 Texas and Texas Tech game, the iconic game that, uh, that we were able to win in Lubbock. And we're leaving from the facility uh, to, to head over to the team hotel. I was going to ride the bus that day, and so I saw a coach in the parking lot. I said, hey, do you mind if I catch a ride with you over to the team hotel? He said, sure. So we jump in the car, which was odd because I've known Coach Leach for a long time. I think it's the only time I ever rode in the car with him that he was actually driving. And um, so we're going down the road, talking, uh, just going down University University Drive, and his phone rings. It's an old Motorola Razor. He looks at it, sees a car. He kind of flashes to me. It's it's Matthew McConaughey. So he gets on the phone and they start a conversation, as you could imagine, only Mike, Mike Leach and Matthew McConaughey could have. Um, and we're going down the road, and any of you that knew Mike Leach, you know he's a guy that could get hyper-focused on just about anything, but also at times could be maybe a little oblivious to, to other things going on in the world. So he's on the phone talking, driving, not really paying attention. Um, and I see him um, put on his blinker to, to make a right-hand turn or to get in the right-hand lane. I look over, I'm in the passenger seat, and there's this big truck right next to us. 
And I remember thinking, like, he's not really going to try and change lanes. Like, he sees this truck next to us. Uh, no, he didn't. Um, <laughs> so he jerks the car over to the right lane. I grab hold just instinctively of the seat. The truck swerves over. You hear brakes, uh, slams on the brakes. They start honking their horn. Tires are squealing. I mean, it's just kind of pandemonium. Coach has no clue. No clue. So we're continuing down the road. I'm looking back. This truck comes around us, up next to the side of us, and they're yelling some not very nice things, giving us, uh, 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 telling us we're number one, all of that, right? And uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, it's just a scene out of a movie. Coach is on the phone, still not paying attention. These people are honking. So finally, Coach kind of notices that somebody's there. He rolls down his window. He thinks it's a fan. He goes, oh, hey, Mike Leach, good to see you. And... <laughs> Lincoln Riley. It's funny. I've heard or read two or three different places where people reference, I rode with Mike Leach where he was driving one time, and that was enough. <laughs> Maybe there was maybe there was enough self awareness that he was not a good driver that he just kind of chose to either walk or be chauffeured most of the places that uh, that he went. Apparently, famously, not a good driver, not a guy that you wanted to be riding shotgun with. Mm. Oh man! Also, found out that Lincoln Riley cannot pronounce Matthew McConaughey's last yeah. name. I still, I mean, the 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 audio gold that a conversation between Mike Leach and Matthew McConaughey, the, the the gold that would have come from a recording of their conversations, yeah, be better yeah, than crypto. I'll tell you that. That uh, that absolutely would have been good. I, I still stand by that. Um, it is it is a shame that Mike Leach and Jimmy Buffett didn't have time together. Because a song would have come out of that meeting. Somebody would have written a song out of that meeting. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Buffett actually did write a song about Mike Leach. I would say a pirate looks at 40, but when you read into what that song's about, I don't think that's about Mike Leach. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not so much there. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this... Tuesday afternoon, Ole Miss has retaken the lead against North Alabama, 48-47. That's with 9.08 to play at the Sandy and John Black Pavilion in Oxford. North Alabama's got a um, they got a guard that's got 20 points and has made six threes in the game. Ole Miss led by Deshaun Ruffin. He's got 10. Jamin Brakefield and Matthew Morrell both with nine in the game as well. Dane Bradshaw will join us coming up next to talk some SEC basketball. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> On Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah! 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Time to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Andy Staples joins us right now. He writes at The Athletic. He is host of the Andy Staples Show. It's available uh, on podcast, you can watch it on YouTube, all of those things. Andy, always good to catch up. Thanks for uh, for a few minutes this afternoon. Um, before we get into Mike Leach stuff, need your help. You're good at this. Um, Brian Haydad is taking a pre-Christmas family vacation. They are going to St. Louis, and uh, I, I feel like a, a, a recommendation on a, an eating establishment would be a good idea. Well, Pappy's Barbecue is the place that has the fabulous ribs in st louis so that's that's probably one place you you want to stop and uh then you you, you know you go up to the, the there's an italian section of town uh where they do all the toasted ravioli and, and all that so you know you want to go and have some of that too but the uh pappy's smokehouse i believe is the name of the the, the official name of the barbecue place there you go and the, the italian that's on the hill right isn't that what they, they the say hill, yes I was because there St. Louis is the hill, and then Providence, Rhode Island is Federal Hill, and it's both really good Italian restaurants. <laughs> you know, it's it's their their kind of their Italian neighborhood, um, and and so I, I even though they're not anywhere near one another, you get it mixed up because the names are so similar. So you have written about Mike Leach this week. You have talked about him on Sirius XM. You've talked about him on on your show. He was a guy that. Um, had a had a zest for life and uh, turned out to be a heck of a football coach to go along with it. But when you think about Mike Leach, where do you start? It's hard for me because I, I almost feel like there's two different people. There's the person who had all these incredibly broad interests and, and was getting into all these wacky misadventures. Like uh, there's a story I, I told on the podcast that he told me one time. When he was at Valdosta State, he was recruiting Jacquez Green, who was a, a wide receiver. I, believe he was, I, I think Quez, he played quarterback in high school, though. But a really good athlete out of Fort Valley, Georgia, so up, up near Macon. And Quez ended up playing for Florida. So this is, this is how good of an eye Mike had for, for these guys. And, but Mike, if you look at a picture of Mike from the early 90s and mid-90s, and then look at a picture of Vince Gill from the same period. It looks exactly alike. And so Mike goes to the Hooters in Macon while he's on the trip recruiting Jacqueline Green, and the waitress thinks that he is Vince Gill, and doesn't. And he just doesn't say anything. And I think he went back a couple more times, and she's convinced that she was serving Vince Gill every single time. Jeez, and he never corrected her. Exactly. Did he ever break out in song? That would be good to know. Like now we're coming off tour or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, that's the story. One of the stories he told me, and you know. But then you've got the the football coach, who, if you think about it, every non triple option team, at every level of football, uses parts of his offense, whether the coach says they subscribe to it or not. It is filtered through. It is, it is extremely main. I mean, everybody has some version of mesh. Everybody has some version of Y-stick. Everybody. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. We, we were talking about this and, and kind of his impact on the game and, you know, he and Hal Mummy. It, it, it's crazy when you think about inventing something, right? I mean, when you think about true innovators, you, you think about a guy like Steve Jobs. 
But the idea of creating something that didn't exist before is, it really doesn't happen all that often. And yet, how Mummy and Mike Leach together built this offense that if you talk to people who played against them in the late 80s and then through the 90s and then into the late 90s as it was evolving, they will tell you to a person, we've never seen concepts like this before at, at any level and, and would yeah. study them and still not know exactly what they were looking at. And in that, in that comparison, it's interesting because how Mummy might be the Wozniak, where hmm. he, he may have started out as, as the brains of the outfit, but had, had the original idea. Yeah. But Jobs took it further than anybody ever dreamed, and I think that's that's what happened with Leach. Hey, all you need to know is is look at look at Mummy at Kentucky after Leach left, right? And then look at Leach, and so it, it's it's crazy how that worked. So because uh, obviously Hal Mummy was critically important, and if Hal Mummy, you know, it, look, if Mike Leach never goes to BYU as a student, then that's not on his resume when he sends it to Hal Mummy at Iowa Wesleyan. And how Mummy doesn't go, oh, this guy's – and it's funny because he, he hadn't coached at BYU. He didn't play at BYU, but this guy breathed the same air as Lavelle Edwards for four years. So I'll hire him. And also, well, Mummy also said, and this is perhaps my favorite part of that hiring story, he didn't think Mike had any preconceived notions about offensive line play, and that was an attractive quality. Hmm. I mean, it's almost kind of like the guys that, uh, you know, use the stall two doors down from Sean McVay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But those the two, same, in the same together. air, we've got and to capture fact, this guy. The fact that Dana Holgerson is there as a player, like it's just sometimes people are destined to meet, and so, that's just how it all worked with these guys. So, so it's really fascinating to me because as this past season went along, as we were talking about Mississippi State games, I mean, one of the things that Brian Haydad just beat the drum was like, "Run the football." Yeah, you know, I get that it's the air raid, but run the ball. I, I was doing a Houston game on, on TV earlier this year and was talking with Dana Holgerson about, you know, air raid. He's like, ah, they kicked me out of the air raid club a long time ago. He's like, you know, the, the Pirates, the only one who still runs it. He, he stuck with it in its most pure form almost all the way through. I mean, there were a few exceptions, but not many. Yeah, the Arkansas game this year would have been the, the biggest exception I can think of. Well, and then uh, Ole Miss at the end. That's true, and I, I do think it's. I think that was a bit of stubbornness on his part because I, I remember the first time I met him in person. I, I went out of Key West to interview him. This was between getting fired by Texas Tech and getting hired by Washington State, and he was hosting radio shows for SiriusXM and just you know living living his best life. Yeah, and we were in a bar, and I said, "Okay, I've always wanted to ask you this question because I, you know, I I played offensive line." I see your nuclear-wide line splits, like because they're like seven feet apart in some places. I was like, what would you do if I just took out my entire front seven and put all DBs on the field and lined up like a, lined up a DB, not even a, like a three technique or a, a one technique or anything like that, just like straight up in the gap and just told him to run as fast as he can through that gap and hit the quarterback. And he's like, well, I just run every play. And I'm like, but would you? Hmm. Would you do it? <laughs> we 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 have wondered similar things uh, out loud on this radio program over the last uh, last couple of years. Um, maybe I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I don't think it was on anybody's radar around here 
that Mississippi State was going to announce today that Zach Arnett was going to be the head coach. I, I certainly don't think it was a stretch to think that it was going to happen. I don't know if anybody thought it was going to happen yet. What, what do you make of that decision that uh, that the president of the university, Mark Keenum, made uh, because they also don't have an athletics director right now? Yeah, I was going to say, as a longtime Bracky Brett fan, I, I kind of hope it means that Bracky's getting a job. But, you know, I, I know that the Jared Binko, who, who's at Georgia Southern now, would be a candidate for that job. And so I, I do wonder how much of it is, is just continuity. And I'm curious what Zach thinks about offensive philosophy long-term, because the thing that, that I thought, you know, and a lot of, so many things stink about all of this. I mean, yeah. Sharon loses her husband, their, their kids lose their father, their grandkids lose their grandfather, and, and you know, the, the college football world is robbed of the joy that would have been a retired Mike Leach holding forth on everything. But another thing that stinks is with any coaching change, you have upheaval and, and philosophical changes that, that cause the roster to get shaken up. And so I, I was hopeful and, and remain hopeful that this means that Zach Arnett maybe keeps the same offensive philosophy and just hires someone to run it that way or, or promote someone on the staff to continue running it this way. And, and obviously, we've seen the air raid is, is pretty malleable. Like, you can work with this foundation and do different things. You look at Lincoln Riley, he added power to the air raid. And, yeah. you know, they run the ball a ton at USC. But it, the foundation is the same. Uh, Dana Holgerson jokes that he's kicked out of the air raid, but that doesn't mean the foundation of his offense isn't the same offense. He just likes to run the ball more. He likes to use the tight end more often. So... You can build off what this is. It doesn't have to be a complete roster flip on that side of the ball. And I hope it's not because I just don't want to see any more upheaval because of this than there has to be. And it makes you wonder if a guy like Seth Luttrell, who's no longer at North Texas, but is an air raid guy, might exactly. might make sense. Uh, I know Cole Kubelik earlier today wondered out loud about Chris Hatcher, who's at Samford and, yep. and is an air raid exactly. guy. So. That's a, yeah, Hatch, Hatch is one that was, was a hot name for, for potential bigger head coaching jobs for a long, long time, and then it sort of it fizzled out, and then he yeah. wound up you know, becoming a very good head coach at Sanford. But let's be honest, an SEC coordinator job pays a heck of a lot more than head coach at Sanford. No question about that. Andy, the time is always too short. Appreciate you jumping on with us and uh, sharing some of your Mike Leach stories, and I uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. All right, thanks so much. Andy Staples from The Athletic and The Andy Staples Show and Sirius XM does a great job. He's one of the really good guys in the uh, college football media world. We'll take a time out. More coming up with you right after this. This show was previously recorded. Fox on Tech. For three years, the Pentagon has struggled to award one of the largest contracts in DOD history. In 2019, it chose Microsoft for a $10 billion cloud computing contract. Amazon, who lost its bid, sued the Pentagon. The Pentagon has now announced a new cloud contract worth $9 billion awarded to Google, Oracle, Microsoft, and Amazon. The Pentagon's first-ever cloud computing network will provide top-secret data to military personnel around the globe. The Pentagon's chief information officer, John Sherman, explains. 
It is an ability to make sense and be able to decide quicker than your adversary is able to decide. With the U.S. military relying more on unmanned aircraft subs, space communications and satellites, cloud technology will get the intelligence from those platforms to troops on the ground faster. The next war will be won not on the ground, but in the cloud, according to experts. For Fox on Tech, Jennifer Griffin, Fox News. Bullet Points. I'm Evan Brown. Florida has arguably become the capital of a renewed conservative movement, and Florida has been known for its Second Amendment protections. For so long, it bragged of the ease of obtaining a concealed weapons license in the state and how that license permits all concealed weapons, not just firearms, and how the license is only for concealed carry. Ownership in Florida generally requires no permits. But Florida may now go the way other pro-Second Amendment states have gone, doing away with a license requirement for concealed carry. Governor Ron DeSantis is on record for supporting the so-called constitutional carry idea, and the legislature is now expected to bring it up at their regular session starting in April. Florida has already issued more than 2.5 million permits, and those are your bullet points. I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. This show was previously recorded. Hey guys, what, happened? what the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Paige and Wesson, I hope the guy that has to keep Arnett off the field during the game gets a bigger contract too. <laughs> yeah, the, the get back guy may become important for Zach Arnett. Uh, Chase and Columbus. Good defense and good culture will win you a lot of football games. And he goes on to say, given the moment the timeline, as well as biggest fish in this year's coaching carousel having already been landed, who's the slam dunk hire that State could have gotten where you feel better about that than Arnett? He's a bright up-and-coming coach. As we said earlier, He's coached very successfully in this league as an autonomous coach over his side of the ball, and he's already landing recruits just a few days on the job. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you don't do this unless you believe in the guy, but that's a really good point. And I think when when we mentioned earlier about speed and having to do this, that is a factor. If Mark Keenum didn't think that he was capable of doing this, well then no, of course, you disregard speed and essentially punt this year's recruiting and, and portal and, and just hope for the best moving forward. But uh, if you say that they shouldn't have done this and waited until after they hired an athletic director, which is weeks away, so we're into January, and then that AD comes in and then conducts a coaching search, which takes multiple days at least. So you're, you're, you're into January before you can hire a coach. Tell me who that coach is. If you're gonna if you're gonna criticize this decision, tell me who the coach you're hiring is. Is it John Summerall? I think he'll end up being great. He has one year at Troy. So so who are your candidates? Is it Jamie Chadwell? I, I mean, that that's the question now. You can't just criticize without offering. No, they shouldn't do this because this guy makes more sense. Tell me who this guy is. Yeah. all that's fair that's very fair 
Uh, Jason in McComb says, if it had not been Arnett, the person that came to mind for me was Todd Munkin, but I am happy that we kept Zach. It's from Jason in McComb. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you should be happy with Zach Arnett. And, and Borky was saying a second ago, you know, if you're being critical of this decision, then who? I honestly haven't seen much criticism. No, National people, really. football people have kind of all said, hey, this, this makes a lot of sense. This guy this guy deserves a shot. We'll see how it goes. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. College football fix coming up next. This show was previously recorded. Saving you money, I'm Hillary Barsky. The cost of living is going up due to hot inflation. And although you might have seen some recent relief at the pump, you're likely to feel the squeeze when you hit the grocery store. As we head into the new year, it might be a good time to change things up and begin food shopping a bit differently. You might want to start by doing some comparison shopping before you hit the grocery store. In addition, try planning out your meals and making grocery lists based on meals you'll be less likely to waste money on rather than something that looks good in the store. Store, and before you go to the supermarket, make a habit of checking the shelves of your pantry first. By taking inventory of what you already have at home, you'll avoid mistakenly buying multiples of the same item. And you might want to offer store brands over name brands, which tend to be costlier. And also try buying in bulk. While you pay more upfront for stuff in larger quantities, it's actually a smart move to buy in bulk because typically you'll pay less per item. Saving you money, Hillary Barsky, Fox News. This show was previously recorded. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Time is here again, like every year before. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So a lot of stuff going on, but right now we're going to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Flint Minshew joins us right now. He is a Mississippian who uh, certainly knows Mike Leach well because his son, Gardner Minshew, as part of an incredible odyssey that was his college football career, uh, spent a year playing for Mike Leach as quarterback at uh, Washington State. Flint, I, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us this afternoon. Man, what a what a tough week this has been. Yeah, it really has, really has um, been tough on Gardner. You know, um, we sure do owe, you know, Coach Leach changed the Gardner's path for sure and, um, and gave him an opportunity. And, and not only that, empowered him to be himself and encouraged him to be himself. And I think Coach Leach did that for a lot of people. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll forever be grateful for that. So let's do a quick recap of Gardner's college road. Obviously, he is in the NFL now and is in a, in a great spot, and it's gone maybe better than anybody could have imagined but from the time that, that he left high school as an absolute star in the state of Mississippi, 
there were a lot of stops. It was kind of a circuitous journey. Absolutely it was. So, you know, he graduated early and went to Troy in the spring on an academic scholarship, and they told him everything would be paid for. When then he got to summer school, they wanted him to pay for summer school, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So he called up uh, Jack Wright and went up to uh, Northwest, and, uh, and Jack told him, said, look, we've got another guy in here. Um, but, you know, we'll give you a shot. And, of course, uh, Gardner beat him out in just a matter of weeks. And, uh, you know, and they, they won the national championship that year and still, didn't, and still didn't have a lot of options. You know, a lot of, guys, a lot of schools won't take a one-year JUCO. They, they, uh, there's a little taboo. There's a little unwritten rule there that you don't come in there and take a guy after one year. And, uh, but East Carolina made him an offer, and uh, he left and went up there, was there for two years, in and out of the lineup, and um, graduated in December of his junior year. You know, but that was back before it was just the wild, wild west, and you could just pick up and leave. But he graduated in December, got it, picked up an Alabama offer, and, um, and then, you know, then a few other schools started calling, uh, you know, once they figured out, you know, if Saban offered him, well, then something must he must be able to play. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny, you know, all this evaluation all these guys do. And that's not what we're here to talk about. But, uh, you know, all three Mississippi schools passed on him three times, out of high school, out of junior college, and as a grad transfer. So, um, but Coach Leach called him up and said, hey, you can go hold a clipboard at Alabama. Or you can come here and lead the country in passing. And Gardner, Gardner committed over the phone right there. We had never been to Washington, much less Pullman, Washington. So, Flint, when, when it looked like Gardner was going to go to Alabama, was that with the idea of, hey, I maybe want to be a coach and going and being on the team under Nick Saban uh, might help along those lines? Or was he going to well, Alabama at the time with the idea that, hey, I'm going to go try and win this job? Well, he, he would always go try to win the job. He, he, and even today, everybody goes, oh, the best job in America is, you know, backup quarterback. And it, it is, unless that's not what you are. And I mean, he, and that's never been how he's wired. And, but, you know, the, the saving deal was sweet because not only did he offer him a, um, a scholarship and, and even was going to allow him to redshirt because he never redshirted. Um, but he also guaranteed him a GA spot. But, you know, Gardner's thoughts, even even with going to Alabama, was, you know, even being a backup at Alabama, I'll be able to get into an NFL camp, and just you know, just yeah. it, it was always just about plugging and, and you know and, and trying to get that take that next step, and um, but then you know the leech offer was just too, and that was a dream come true, right? You know, I coached him in junior high, and White and I were friends back when White was at um. Winston Academy, and I, and I got went up there and got you know air raid uh, principles and plays that we ran in Pee Wee football. So it was always a dream of his to play for Mike Leach. All right, so 2018 at Washington State, he starts all 13 games. They go 11 and two. He throws for almost 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns, and he's playing for this legend of an offensive mind in, in Mike Leach. Tell me about your observations of the relationship between Gardner and Coach Leach. So it starts kind of funny, you know, they hit it off immediately, which, you know, if somebody, Mike Leach is one of those guys, if you didn't hit it off with him, there's something really bad wrong with you uh, because he's just the most approachable, most humble, 
inquisitive. You know, he wanted to know about you. And uh, but anyway, immediately they hit it off. Well, there's this app out here that these kids pull planks on, and so like. I'll think you're calling me, and you'll think I'm calling you. Both of our phones will ring, and they were doing that to Leach and Gardner. And um, and they would both pick up the phone, and and then they would just end up talking for an hour or two. You know, it didn't matter. So uh, they, I knew from the first time we went on a visit up there, they were going to hit it off because they, they start talking all these concepts, and I just kind of tilted my head back and, and let them talk because I had no idea what was going on. But uh, – no, they hit it off immediately, and, and from the second we met him as our family, uh, met him, and he's he's visited with us, and we visited with him, and he's been to the fair. Um, man, just couldn't be a better guy. And, and like I said, we will forever be grateful uh, for what he did for, for Gardner, and, and, and I know there's thousands of players out there probably the same way. How, how do you get from Brandon, Mississippi, to Pullman, Washington? So typically you drive to New Orleans and you, because if you have a screw up in Jackson, and don't get me wrong, I fly out of Jackson every weekend going to see him play. But when you're going out west and if you have a screw up out of Jackson, they can't get you there. If you go to New Orleans, well, you know, they can, if there's a screw up, they can still get you there. And so you typically are going to fly to Denver or Salt Lake or sometimes LAX and you're going to make a connection. And the Spokane airport's about like the Jackson airport. And then you're going to drive about 75 miles on a two-lane road through wheat fields. <laughs> and uh, the first time my wife went out there, she's looking and looking and looking. And I'm like, look, I told you, there's nothing else to see. It's 75 miles of wheat fields. Just rolling hills. Beautiful country. But, I mean, it is, it is a, it's like Starville used to be back before 25 was four-laned. It was like a little two-lane road. And you just you, get, you better be paying attention. So fast forward to where we are now. Gardner in the NFL, he has the run in Jacksonville, has the opportunity to start, plays well. A couple of years now as the backup, obviously Jalen Hurts playing really, really well. That's a great team in, in Philadelphia. You said it a second ago. He, he's a guy that wants to start, but he's in a really good spot also, right? Yeah, he's in a good spot. I mean, you know, but um, but no, it's in his heart to play. and um, And he'll be a free agent after this year. And so, you know, obviously we'll, he'll hit that market and his, his agent knows, you know, look, it's not all about money. It's about an opportunity to go somewhere and, and compete for a job. That's all he ever wants, just to compete. And, and, and Leach didn't hand him the job either. He had to go up there and compete. And, um, and, um, so that, and that's all he wants is, is a fair competition, you know, uh, not, not, Hey, we're bringing in Trevor Lawrence, but we're going to let you compete. Eh, okay, whatever. Um, so yeah, that that's that's what he wants. But no, the, the Eagles have been great to him. He gets a ton of reps. You know, he gets to play. There's not a lot of backup quarterbacks that get to play like Gardner gets to play, and he gets a lot of reps in practice. And um, so now, I don't want to sound like we're we're ungrateful to the Eagles because we're not. Well, uh, Gardner's story is an incredible one, and Flint, I really appreciate you you spending a few minutes with us and, and kind of sharing some of those Mike Leach stories. Uh, certainly well, and a difficult I'll tell you week, a couple but... others real quick. Let me tell you one. If you look all over football today at every level and, uh, and in the NFL, Mike Leach's, Mike Leach's fingerprints are all over all of it. I mean, yeah. you, you, you see it everywhere, and, um, you know, we're just so fortunate 
that that we could have been a small part uh, of of that. Well, it's a uh, a great story, and um, some of the anecdotes uh, about Coach Leach uh, certainly don't make the pain of this week go away, but uh, let everybody know just what kind of a, a man he was. Thanks so much for your time, Flint. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. That's Flint Minshew. He is the father of Gardner Minshew, obviously a proud dad who has watched his son's football journey that included a, uh, a one-year stop as the starting quarterback for Mike Leach at Washington State on the Palouse in Pullman. We got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know that nowadays most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money? And a lot of businesses are losing opportunities to get new customers if they aren't online. With the power of STMM Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referrals and repeat business. The highly trained and trusted team at STMM Digital is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. There's a ton of content from Super Talk Mississippi on our new YouTube channel. Just search Super Talk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube. Be sure and subscribe for free to get the latest scoop on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and the good things happening here in the state. This show was previously recorded. The Chicago Honey Bears were a cheerleading squad for the Chicago Bears of the NFL during the late 70s and early 1980s. The group performed at Bears games at Soldier Field. After Super Bowl Twenty. the squad was disbanded, and currently the Bears are one of just seven NFL teams that do not have cheerleaders. Do you know the other six? Well, Texas A&M's not an NFL team, although their payroll looks like they are. <laughs> They're not. Um, They're not. <laughs> I know the Saints do. Yeah, that was not the question. It was the six uh, well, that don't. process of elimination. I mean, yeah, I know but, I know but, it's been yeah, a couple but. decades since you took standardized tests, but it's still fresh in my memory. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm a Steelers fan, and I haven't seen Steelers cheerleaders. You're correct. The Steelers are one of the six that do, or one of the seven that do not. So we've got Pittsburgh and Chicago. Okay. Uh, a little surprised by one of these. The Los Angeles Chargers. Wow. Do not. I have was just thinking about them. That's pretty wild. The New York Giants, no cheerleaders. No cheerleaders for the Green Bay Packers. No cheerleaders for the Cleveland Browns, and no cheerleaders for the Buffalo Bills. Those are your seven NFL would, teams with no cheerleaders. Would you sign up for being out there in in a? Well, not you personally, but. Would you think somebody would sign up to be out there in, in negative two degrees in a cheerleader uniform? Well, I mean, if you think about that, kind of makes sense. That that's why the Chargers doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it seems like L.A. would absolutely have a cheer squad for its football team. Makes sense in Chicago, Buffalo, Cleveland, Green Bay, New York, and Pittsburgh. I mean, the Lakers cheerleaders dance team, whatever, is like you know iconic. It's right up there with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. So you would think, you know, being Is in Los Angeles, girls? that would that make sense. Called? The Laker girls, yeah. Yeah. So you would think being in Los Angeles, that would Which, make sense. I don't know if they can continue to do this. Guys, we will not go down this road today, but I did read through. Did, did you see that um, Stanford University had put together a list of uh, words that should be eliminated? Yeah, because if you say, I'm American... That is implying that 
being from the United States means you're better than being from a different country in North, Central, or South America. So you can't say, or I guess they haven't been banned, they're not going to expel you for saying I'm American, but it has been strongly suggested to not describe yourself as American anymore because it might imply that you're better than other American countries. So we're banning the truth now. Yes. I would say, newsflash, we are, but you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings by being in first place when they are not. Uh, I want to briefly talk about this, and then we'll kind of go back and recap some signing day stuff. This story is wild to me. Carlos Correa was done, right? Carlos Correa to the Giants was done. 13 years and $350 million is what they had agreed to in principle. And it would have tied Bryce Harper for the longest free agent deal in baseball history. And it would have set Correa up to be kind of the next star, the next face of the San Francisco Giants. But the deal fell apart over what Scott Boris called a difference of opinion, close quote, concerning Correa's physical. And then the Mets swooped in and picked up where they had left off in negotiations a week or so ago when it kind of looked like San Francisco was going to be the time. Steve Cohen, the owner, the multi-billionaire owner, richest owner in baseball, told the New York Post, we need one more thing and this is it. This was important. This puts us over the top. This is a good team. I hope it's a good team. The payroll for the New York Mets this coming year, by the way, take all your Yankees jokes about buying a team and shove them where the sun doesn't shine. The payroll for the Mets this year will be $380 million dollars. The luxury tax bill for the Mets will be larger than the total payroll of eight Major League Baseball teams. Ooh. And obviously there wasn't anything too concerning in that physical if they're willing to make a 13-year deal. Well, the Mets, the Mets, did, the Mets went big. 12 for 315. The, the 13 350 was what San Francisco was going to do. Uh, the president of baseball operations for the Giants said... Uh, would not say what the difference of opinion was, but he did wish the shortstop well. He says, while we are prohibited from disclosing confidential medical information, as Scott Boritz stated publicly, there was a difference of opinion over the results of Carlos's physical examination. We wish Carlos the best. Boris told... What could that be? I don't know. I don't know. Boris told The Athletic that San Francisco had, quote, reasonable time to still move forward with the deal, but the team was dragging its feet on things in his medical record that happened decades ago. He says, we reached an agreement. We had a letter of agreement. We gave them a time frame to execute it. They advised us. They still had questions. They still wanted to talk to other people, other doctors, go through it. I said, look, I've given you a reasonable time. We need to move forward on this. Give me a time frame. If you're not going to execute, I need to talk with other teams. And when that time frame opened, the Mets pounced. Steve Cohen said we kind of picked up where we were before, and it just worked out. The Mets have committed more than $800 million to free agents this offseason, and their competitive balance tax, or the luxury tax, projects to be $384 million. Wow. By the way, wouldn't you like to have the Christmas bonus for Scott Boris and Jimmy Sexton this year? 
Just, yeah. just, just give me the Christmas bonus. I can live off of that for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, Jimmy um, Sexton was reeling it in this year. And every year. And every year. Um, we I, should I, talk about this again when Hate Ed returns, just for uh, for fun. <clears throat> oh, let's be nice. You got college football coming up tonight. Western Kentucky and South Alabama. That could actually be a really entertaining game. The RL Carriers Bowl in New Orleans, in the Dome. Uh, perhaps you would get more... seven figures of an audience again. Probably so. Easily. Eight and five Western Kentucky, ten and two South Alabama, coached by Kane Womack. That could be a fun game. South Alabama looking at its first, its, uh, first ever bowl win. So will the Western the Western Kentucky quarterback decided to stay put, didn't he? Yep. So you will get Austin Reed in this game tonight. Austin Reed threw for this season. He threw for 4,247 yards and 36 touchdowns. South Alabama team that a little bit more built on defense. So uh, that'll be fun tonight in New Orleans in the Dome. You know, Austin Reed, if you're going to watch, and the numbers say you, some of you definitely will because it's football, it's on your TV. Uh, Austin Reed is the type that, like Grayson McCall was last year, he could have, I bet Auburn would have taken him. There's a lot of places that he could have gone that are quote-unquote better than Western Kentucky had he stayed in the portal, chose to stick around. And those are the kind of guys that if you think this new era of college football is ruining the sport... Well, you have one guy that is, is sticking with his the, the place that gave him his shot. So enjoy watching him tonight in the New Orleans Bowl. He's worth your time. Tackles, He's a good player. Gunner, one of their tackles, Gunner Brenton, Mississippi State's recruiting him out of the portal. I think he's actually playing in this game uh, tonight. Hmm. And State, I think he visited State a couple of weeks ago. I, I didn't think that you could still be with the team if you were in the portal, but... I guess I was wrong with that. It's crazy. No, you, you can be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for example, Luke Altmaier has been practicing with Ole Miss for uh, through bowl practice, and missed at least really? one practice to go on a visit to Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, an interesting dynamic. I, I imagine that coaches can say no, right? I mean, if a kid hits the portal and and you can tell them to go away, and and you saw the news right that came from the NCAA earlier this week in that. Yeah, you can play. If players have played in four games, they can actually participate in a bowl game without it counting as another game that would void a redshirt year. So, theoretically, Luke Altmeyer could play in the bowl game if he stays with the team through the bowl game for Ole Miss against Texas Tech on December 28th and still not lose this year of eligibility. Yeah, if Dart rolls an ankle, then Luke Altmeyer's coming in the game and it doesn't hurt him. Yeah. We got some quarterback news. Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin, former Wisconsin quarterback, is headed to Gainesville to play for Billy Napier and the Gators. Is this a good thing for Florida? Graham Their Mertz fans was, weren't very happy. Nah, he was highly recruited. He was the highest. He was the highest-ranked quarterback recruit ever by Wisconsin. And there was that one really good game he had. <laughs> there was that one. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Apparently your brother-in-law is not pleased with us for not giving you a harder time today, Robbie. That's that's showing up for me on the ceasefire text line. <laughs> hey, man, that's your job. This show was previously recorded. You know that nowadays, most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money. Are customers able to find you online? With the power of STMM Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referral and repeat business. STMM Digital's highly trained and trusted staff is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. This show was previously recorded. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now, co host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, former Southern Miss player as well. Part of the reason that the Sun Belt is 2 0 is because Southern Miss got that 38 24 win over Rice on Saturday. So I want to go back to your thoughts on the game in a second. And forgive me for being a prisoner of the moment, but When we're talking about Frank Gore Jr., where is he in the conversation of all-time running backs at Southern Miss? And and before you answer, let me give you the career numbers. Three seasons. True freshman year, COVID season, averaged almost six yards per carry. Last year, four and a half yards a carry, five touchdowns, 801 yards. Goes over 1,000 for the first time in his career. This season, 1,382 yards and nine touchdowns. So for his career... 2,891 rushing yards, 5.5 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, he's thrown it a good bit in his career as well. He's also thrown for 380 yards and 5 touchdowns and has caught 471 yards worth of passes and a touchdown as well. So, Luke, forgive me for talking so much. Where is he in the in the all-time landscape of running backs at Southern Miss? I think when you take the, the whole package in, um, not just what he's done on the field, but when you look at a lot of people laugh at how much of a, a portal and recruiting worker he is on, on social media, always flying the flag for Southern Miss. And a lot of people don't know this in the 2020 season when it got really rough, he stood up in the locker room and, and basically said, hey, I'm sticking around and I'm staying. And uh, that that means a lot to this program. Um, statistically, you, you feel like he's going to finish somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 yards, which will put him statistically probably in, in the top five. And so I think, I think that's where he'll finish. Um, nobody's going to touch Damian Fletcher's statistical record. I mean, he's at 5,300 yards. He's still 15th all time in NCAA history. But I think Gore will be uh, a top five running back, possibly a top three when it's all said and done. The record that he beat this past weekend was – um, Sam DeJarnett's uh, 40-year-old record did that in 1982 against Florida State. And what was so awesome, right before the uh, the 55-yard touchdown run that put it away, I was looking around talking to some buddies, and I said, he's just got 30 yards to go, guys, and he's going to pass Sam. And boom, next play, 
55 yards to the house, and he, he broke the record. So, uh, yeah, I think probably, without a doubt, he'll be top five, maybe top three when it's all said and done. Who, who would be number two in that group? Rod Davis, the, probably, the other one? No. Uh, Edo Smith, uh, okay. Sammy Winder's in that conversation. Um, you know, Edo's a, Edo's a top 70 all-time rusher in NCAA history as well. Um, but the Fletcher's definitely number one. But you start, you know, you look at different different guys with Desjardins, Ben Gary back in the day, and uh, Sammy Winder's in there too. Yeah, and and Derek Nix. Derek Nix. We're forgetting yards. Derek Nix. Yeah, Thir- Derek Nix is in there too. For, without a doubt. for Derek Nix as well. Um, am I crazy? Did did I make up? Did Rod Davis not play running back? No, Rod Davis linebacker, all American linebacker. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking Southern Miss greats and uh, just decided to give him a position that he never played at all. Uh, Damian Fletcher, 6,206 yards from scrimmage. 53.02 on the ground, 9.04 through the air, and a combined 46 career touchdowns, which Edo Smith is the all touchdown, uh, all-time touchdown leader with, uh, with 49 touchdowns. Uh, the, the game, right? I mean, the, the way it flowed, Southern Miss comes out, they take the early lead, they're up 14 to nothing, they're up 17 to three, and then you look up and boom, they're down 24-17 before they just kind of, kind of put it to bed in the, the fourth quarter. Second quarter, they had a chance really to go up 21 to three. Uh, we were all just kind of, you know, shaking our heads. Here we go again. They got down to the two yard line and had to settle for a field goal. And then Rice comes out, they get a quick score. Uh, Trello fumbles. They hit Southern Miss for the next play, and then they drive down again. I mean, it was about seven minutes of what are what are we doing? Sleepwalking out of the locker room. Um, the defense held. Uh, they they got a touchdown. Defense held again, and really where the game shifted, Southern Miss started after a, a punt that Rice pinned inside the the five yard line. They started at the two, and uh, the next play, um, Gore. I think it was like a fifty nine yard run on uh, on first uh, and and ten from the two. And that's where it shifted. They scored on that drive, and defense held the rest of the way, and they put it again late. So just to kind of put Gore in perspective, you know, he had nine rushes over 10 yards. He had four rushes over 25 yards, and he had three rushes over 55 yards in this game. That's how you uh, you make it get to 329 overall with an average of almost 16 yards per carry. Hey, another guy we were talking about just a few minutes ago, Dalen Gill. Uh, 11 tackles, three sacks. Mike and Oxford said all three of those sacks came in the in the fourth quarter of this game. What a uh, what a big season he had! And it was funny because we were looking at his his career numbers in in the two seasons at Ole Miss, and you know just just blows those out of the water. This is one of those things where the transfer portal worked exactly the way it was supposed to work. Dalen Gill was a guy we we covered him at Jones, uh, watched him at Jones for two years. Tremendous athlete there, and. You know, he went to Ole Miss, was, thought it was going to, you know, be a great opportunity for him. It didn't work out. And what he, he by far may be uh, the biggest transfer in regard. Jalen Williams had a huge, huge year on the offensive line. But both Hayes Maples and Swayze Bozeman went down with season ending injuries. Maples in the offseason, Bozeman after the first couple games. And Dalen Gill was the guy that jumped right back in there. So you had a guy with experience playing in the middle. Um, and he ends up being the defensive MVP of of uh, the Lending Tree Bowl. And he was a guy with his speed. They just capitalized on on uh, you know Rice's offensive line and the young quarterback. I mean, they there were times they were bringing corner blitzes. And and one of the things we talked about last week was how Austin Armstrong was going to be able to exploit kind of uh, the the youth of pageant. And that and Dalen Gill was the guy specifically in the fourth quarter that was able to take advantage of. It. 
Does Trey Lowe have a year of eligibility left if he wants to take it? Because he's played college football for five years, but you get the COVID bonus year, and I'm assuming one of those first two years could have been a redshirt year at West Virginia uh, if that's what he wants. So has he got one more? He's got one more. He's working on a doctorate right now. (laughs) So, yeah, he's a tremendous athlete, tremendous student. Uh, He participated in senior day a few few, uh, weeks ago uh, against South Alabama. Um, with them signing two quarterbacks and maybe Borky and I talked about this last week, there's a chance they might sign another one. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back. And that's just a, you know, a conversation he and coach Hall have to have. So with that said, what do you think the QB position looks like a year from now? Because you would love to have continuity from one year to the next, but it's not like Trey Lowe was the starter for all 13 games this season either. Yeah, I mean, Trello comes back. Obviously, he will be, uh, you know, in, in theory, you know, the starter going in the spring. But with Wiles coming in, Edwards uh, will will compete. And so you wonder, though, this is the only thing about it. You wonder if, you know, Wilkie or Keys, if they're back too, somebody may hit the transfer portal after spring ball, especially if they bring in another quarterback. And you hope that you don't have two. Uh, because if, if you know, a guy like, uh, you know, there's a guy on the roster like T-Webb, if, if a guy like that decides to move on, you would hopefully have five scholarship quarterbacks on on uh, on the roster. But if somebody were to transfer after spring ball, you might be back down to four, and hopefully you're not back down to three going into the summer. It's just, it's wild, it's unpredictable, and I think that's why they're trying to bring in as many arms as they can. All right, Southern Miss basketball. We've got a minute and a half or so left. They are 11 and 1. We were kind of looking at their schedule last week as it pertains to the net rankings. They've got three games that don't factor into the net, which is probably a good thing when you talk about the, uh, the D2 games that are on the schedule, because that certainly would drag that number down. It's been really good for Jay Ladner's team, and it was uh, a win again yesterday over McNeese uh, by, by 19. Yeah, they were, they got up to 19th on Friday in the net, which, you know, I couldn't tell you the last time they were that high. They dropped to 29th. Uh, they take on UNLV Thursday out in Las Vegas. UNLV yeah. lost their first game of the season on a last-second shot to uh, San Francisco. So that's a huge game for them. This is a top-60 net team. Felipe Hase and, and Austin Crowley and, and uh, DeAndre Pinckney. Uh, and then Mo Arnold had a tremendous game against McNeese. They're, these are a, a bunch of older guys, a bunch of vets that haven't found you know their, their spot in other places. They kind of have taken on the moniker of misfits. And they played with extremely good chemistry, and uh, yeah, they're out to an eleven-one. Then Saturday, twelve and one will be to start conference play. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic, and they'll open conference play on December 29th against uh, against Troy. Uh, Sun Belt probably a one-bid league when it comes to uh, the postseason, which means the conference tournament will be of utmost importance. Do you want to build to put yourself in as good a position as possible when that conference tournament rolls around? Yeah, and in the early signs for the Sun Belt, there's like three or four two-loss teams. So, you know, it, it, Jay Ladner was telling us today on the Eagle Hour, he thinks it's a little underrated this year. There could actually be uh, uh, several teams that could push, and it, you could have a, a really a, a scatter or a, a word I'm trying to think of, it, a congested top yeah. uh, because everybody kind of beats up on each other throughout the year. Luke, always good to catch up. We'll be talking baseball before too terribly much longer. Thanks so much for your time. Sander Hall, first team All-American today preseason. Y'all stay warm this week. Merry Christmas. Got to love that. Merry Christmas to you as well. Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. This show was previously recorded. 
There's a ton of content from Super Talk Mississippi on our new YouTube channel. Just search Super Talk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube. Be sure and subscribe for free to get the latest scoop on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and the good things happening here in the state. This is where the story of your state gets told each day. We're proud to cover the Magnolia State like nobody else. Super Talk Mississippi. This show was previously recorded. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thank you for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us. On the ceasefire text line, Luke teased it, so we'll tease it. We'll try to get to the entire list if we don't today, maybe later in the week. It's crazy, right? We're, we're close to kind of talking about college baseball. So we've got this week, Christmas week, and then the week after Christmas. Then you get to the first of the year, so a week from Sunday is January 1st, which means we're six weeks from the start of the college baseball season. <laughs> I'm sure it won't be cold then. 70 and sunny for opening day. Yeah, for I, sure. I'm, I will be the broken record. Um, so the first All-America team that comes out for the 2023 season is from Collegiate Baseball. Collegiate Baseball is traditionally one guy. He does the top 25, it's like a top 35 poll or something like that. He does it a little bit differently. Um, this is not D1 Baseball's preseason All-America team, but hey, you want a little college baseball content? Here you go. First, but... I'll tell you this. So for the first team, there are six starting pitchers and one relief pitcher. For the second team All-America squad from Collegiate Baseball, there are 11 starting pitchers and six relief pitchers. And for the third team, you've got like six or seven more and then some relievers. So I don't really know what the formula is. You know, if you say, well, you don't break ties, but there's only one guy voting... I don't know how that works, Morky, but there's some really outstanding players. And as Luke mentioned, Tanner Hall for Southern Miss is a first-team All-American from Collegiate Baseball. You know who else is a first-team All-American? A guy that could have been on Southern Miss's roster, if not for the transfer portal, Hurston Waldrop, transfers to Florida, and he is a first-team All-American. So your pitchers are Rhett Lauder from Wake Forest, Chase Dolander from Tennessee, Chase Burns from Tennessee, yeah, they're going to be good again. Quinn Matthews from Stanford, Tanner Hall from Southern Miss, Hurston Waldrop from Florida. Andrew Walters, the reliever from Miami, is on this list. And then I'll just give you maybe some of the names you recognize. Uh, Jake Geloff from Virginia is the third baseman. Jacob Gonzalez from Ole Miss, first-team All-America shortstop. Wyatt Langford, Florida, first-team All-America outfielder. Dylan Cruz, preseason national player of the year, first-team All-America outfielder. And then, by the way, two more guys that transferred into LSU, first-team All-Americans. Remember Tommy Tanks, Tommy White, the transfer from NC State? He's now at LSU. He's the first-team DH. And then Paul Skeens, who is the transfer from the Air Force Academy, where he was a pitcher, a DH, and a catcher at different times. He's listed as a utility player, first-team All-American. Just some local interest on the second team. Drew Beam, Tennessee, pitcher. Hunter Elliott, Ole Miss pitcher. Um, 
Camden Sewell, relief pitcher, Tennessee. Trey Morgan, first baseman, LSU. Jack Moss, we got him listed as a first baseman at Texas A&M. He was the Arizona State transfer from a couple of years ago. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Enrique Bradfield, Jr. from Vanderbilt. Chase Davis, guy you saw in the regional play against Ole Miss for Arizona. And uh, Chris Sargent, Christopher Sargent, third team All-American for Southern Miss. Anybody else I'm missing? Looking for any other Ole Miss or Mississippi State guys. Don't see any. Orky, you were all set for college baseball news on oh, yeah. Monday, December 19th, weren't you? Riveting. Uh, Come on, yeah. man. It is. People love it. You, you they, just they don't do like jumping it. ahead to baseball too soon. Right. That, that's all it is. I, I embrace baseball when it's time for baseball, but it's not time for baseball. Especially in a year where basketball is, is doing well. Uh, yeah, we possibly have uh, the, the bridge that, that is you know, made of steel and very sturdy as opposed to... Recently, the the basketball bridge, which has been made of rotted wood over a gigantic waterfall, and one wrong step, and there you go. We're still going to talk about baseball early. Sorry, it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. it's a personal flaw. You're just going to have to live with it. But you knew that was coming anyway. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you hear my mood change and my voice change? I was like, hey, we got a college baseball preseason All-American team. Doesn't make any sense, but who cares? Let's do it anyway. Like boys like me. You know some girls do. This show was previously recorded. You know that nowadays most people go online to look at a business before they spend their money? And a lot of businesses are losing opportunities to get new customers if they aren't online. With the power of STMM Digital, you can reach potential customers and get more referrals and repeat business. The highly trained and trusted team at STMM Digital is ready to work with you to help your business capitalize on the power of digital marketing. Call 601-991-2305 or go to stmmdigital.com to get started today. There's a ton of content from Super Talk Mississippi on our new YouTube channel. Just search Super Talk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube. Be sure and subscribe for free to get the latest scoop on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and the good things happening here in the state. Accurate information, in-depth analysis, and clear insight all in one place. The Gallo Radio Show with Paul Gallo. Mornings on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.f. This show was previously recorded. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. There's a choir outside of my house singing Silent Night. For any little thing that's gone wrong, Christmas makes it right. The children are singing Christmas carols and everybody's holding hands. We've got that Christmas feeling again. 
Our friend Andy sends us a nice message. Well, especially to you, hey dad. He likes you more than me, apparently. He said, Merry Christmas, y'all. Brian, safe travels. Enjoy St. Louis. Go up the hill for some Italian food. Hip-hop parade for Christmas vacation. Thank you, Andy. Hope you have a safe and Merry Christmas and all of you out there. Thank you. We're not off yet, though. Same. Hey, Dad's off. No. You're stuck with... Yeah, y'all have to work next week. I planned this perfectly. You're stuck with me and Richard for the next four shows after this one. We go... We've got, what, four-day... You know, next week, y'all are working. And then the week after that, I come back, it's a four-day week. And then... Is the week after that a four-day week, too? Are we off on the third? We won't be, because State plays on the second. Okay. i got to double-check that. Wait, isn't State's game on a Monday? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah we'll so be working on the, we'll work on the second. I would think we would. Yeah. But that means we... We might. I don't know off. if the company's off or not, but, but we will be working the day of... I hope the company's off. That way we can, uh, you know, we yeah, can pile extra. up that day off for another day. Yeah. Get to save it. Yeah, they, I actually uh, want it. That'll actually be that's perfect timing. We'll, we'll get to do basically the post game show. So state will play at eleven. Well, Monday, all network shows live. So never, I guess that's not a day off. Dang oh, it. It's a shame. But still, we we'll get they, to do a post game show. They're, they're they're messing with us. They're messing with our money. I mean, we'll we will start at three oh six, right after that game ends. Right after. Yeah. What are state fans? What's the? This seems like a callous question. For please forgive me if it's insensitive. How are they feeling about this game in terms of like going, actually, you know, making the trip? I think going to the game, all that. How how is that? I think the interest has picked up on that because I think people want to go and honor Mike Leach. I, I the idea that the, the game is being played with the pirate ship in the in the end zone has people like okay, this is sort of maybe meant to be or something. Uh, I, I think I think state's going to end up selling more tickets than they would have uh, without this tragic tragic thing happening. It's uh, it's very fitting, uh, for sure. We do get asked uh, about you know Will Rogers and, and how how will he handle not having his play caller uh, with him in the game. There, there's no way of knowing. I, I imagine though, that, look, I've I haven't experienced something like this. Uh, I, I've had people in my life pass, you know. Lost all of my grandparents now, actually. Um, and uncle, you know, I like everybody, I've had people close to me pass, and he, he will, I assume, based on listening to him talk and, and the way he conducts himself, which is very impressive, by the way, I assume that he will be not down, but motivated to go win one for his coach. It's, there's one of two ways that you can approach something like this, he strikes me as the type that's going to... He'll be locked in and, and really focused and, and ready to play as opposed to down and, you know, not focused, I guess. Yeah. There's no way I expect Feel, that team to not be locked in and ready and prepared and, and energized to play in that game. And Arnett's the kind of coach that will will have them motivated and have them ready to play. So, yeah. I, I think Will Rogers, obviously he's going to have a burden... He'll 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 have he'll have that that sadness, but I, I do believe he'll want to he'll be motivated to go out and play his best game for his for his coach. I think I think they really want to try to honor Mike Leach with with getting a win, and uh, and and moving from there. 
Mike in Oxford actually texted us this earlier. Mike, great minds think alike. This was already part of the show plan today, but we're going to get into it right now for the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. If you're not watching football this weekend, I think you've got four NFL games tomorrow, all the bowl games tomorrow, including Southern Miss. But if you're taking a break from the games, stop by and test drive an F-150. Maybe get one for your husband or wife for Christmas. It's an expensive Christmas present. But it's a worthwhile Christmas present for sure. Once you test drive one, you'll know why it's been the best-selling truck in America for 47 years. That's the F-150 driven by Ford. The NCAA did something good and right that will actually help immediately improve their pro season product. I mean, mind-blowing stuff right here. It's very simple. Some of you may have actually thought that it was already a thing. It's not, but we know now. The NCAA has granted a blanket waiver to everybody moving forward. Specifically players trying to redshirt. The postseason will not count. So if... I think Luke Altmaier has appeared in four games, for example. I think so. But Luke Altmaier can play in the Texas Bowl and not lose his redshirt. Every player that has played in four games or fewer that wants to preserve their redshirt can play in the bowl game and not have that count in their in their games, in those four games. So if you have players that are hard-capped at four games to preserve a red shirt, they can play in your bowl game. So if you've had an opt-out or an injury or you just want to get some guys some work, you can do that penalty-free. So these diminished rosters like you saw with LSU last year don't have to be as much because depending on the team, you get five to ten players uh, that are available now for this game that would not have been otherwise. Very smart, very simple, but very smart. I mean, we've been saying it for such a long time that you know these games are basically outside of the playoff games are basically just exhibition games. Well, exhibition games shouldn't count for for, for anything like this. So yeah, this is just smart, and and it, and it helps you so much with developing your young roster if you can give those guys a chance to play. Obviously, that's great, but it also you know you, you avoid emergency situations where you're just like, gosh, you know, somebody gets hurt and this is the next guy. But he's already played. What are we going to do? Now we got to put a walk on. It's just smart. It's just smart. Let it, let everybody play in the bowl game and move forward. I think it's a great idea. Clip it. Here it comes. Kudos to the NCAA. Imagine that. Never may never say it again. It is. Uh, it is a bit of a no brainer. So that's your news for the day. If you. Uh, you might get to see some of your redshirted players uh, in the bowl game coming up. Do we know, by the way, and we haven't really deep-dived into Texas Tech or Illinois just yet, kind of saving that for, for next week, although you're not going to be here. Um, no, no. Saving that, gonna for, have to handle that for next week. But is there anything new that you've learned about Illinois uh, over the last few days uh, when you've looked into them? Defensive coordinators leaving. Which yeah, is, that's a is big significant. I'm interested to see how they switch things up defensively because if you watch them play this year, they run a lot of man coverage. And man, if you can't do that against Mississippi State, they will they will punish man coverage. You've got to be able to play zone and still be able to bring pressure. And without a defensive coordinator in there, you know, and that guy's a really good coach. That's why he's now a head coach, one of the youngest head coaches in the country. Um 
it's going to be it's it's going to be tough to game plan for Mississippi State there. So plus you don't you don't really know what State's going to do offensively in this game, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously not enough time to to install a whole new offense or anything, but. Whoever's calling plays is not Mike Leach, so they're going to have different tendencies and different traits that they want to do, and 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 we'll see how it goes. So I think you could see a little different, you know, flavor from Mississippi State than than you've seen all year long. So State may have just a slight advantage there that maybe they didn't have a couple of weeks ago uh, when when Walters was was still in Illinois, and obviously when Leach was still with Mississippi State. I do wonder too if they're going to add anything, you know. <laughs> in a way, kind of for the heck of it. Just to add some wrinkles into the offense that haven't been shown on film because the the brilliance of the air raid is that it's super simple, right? I mean, everybody knows what's coming. Right. They don't even bother disguising the play calls because it doesn't matter because you know what's coming. I wonder if they're going to use this extra time to just throw throw some stuff in there that, you know, Leach may have told Teams them tend no to. do to. that, too. They tend to just add an, add a little wrinkle here or there. Especially if you catch something on film, you're like, you know, we could exploit that. Yeah, for sure. Maybe some I format. How funny would that be? Okay, now, I would, I would now you're laugh. getting out of Man. you're getting out of control. Now they're not going under center. <laughs> I would laugh so hard if they came out full house and, and, backfield. Uh, yes, with a with a fullback and a couple of tight ends, too tight <laughs> T formation. Let's go. Does Brad Cumbus have any eligibility left? Uh, Rad Cummins is playing minor league baseball. No, sir. Get him to line back up at tight end for a game. Man, I would laugh so hard. You get yeah. Will Rogers up under center with a fullback, and you've got wide receivers playing tight end or like an extra offensive lineman, and you just turn around and do a fullback dive. Antonio Harmon could do it. Yeah, exactly. See? Antonio Harmon could get out there. See, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. I want to see. Speaking. Oh, segway it. You got it right there. Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. And we'll talk about what we're cooking when we come back for a Food Friday. Text us what you're cooking this weekend. 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. We've already got some of you guys uh, doing it right now. And uh, a a wishbone package. You don't really eat wishbones, but eh, whatever. Ruin the segue. Food Friday when we come back. This show was previously recorded. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Couple things before we get to the food because that uh, you guys have some ideas running through your mind right now about what Mississippi State should do in their bowl game. This one's a really good one. I've actually gotten to see something like this uh, in person, kind of recently. Obviously, with something different. Uh, texter says, "Could you see a missing man formation and take the delay of game the first play if you're State for Mike Leach?" I, I saw something similar. Uh, the day that Kobe died, um, I yeah. actually went to an NBA game that day. We were driving down when the news broke, and the teams 
I forget who won the tip-off. It didn't matter because one um, took a 24-second violation, just dribbled the clock out, yeah. and then I think it was it was one Boston that, that, that dribbled out second. the 24, and then New Orleans did the 8-second uh, in response because yeah, he wore both 24 numbers, and 8, yeah. which was really cool. Possible they could do that? The, the, the Redskins did that a few years ago. or It's been a while now, but when Sean Taylor passed away, they uh, – they 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 went out there with ten guys. Uh, sometimes when it's the offense will take a delay of game, and then the, if the defense, you know, you tell them ahead of time, the defense will jump off sides the next play, so you can get first and ten, and go back to normal. So I I don't know, I don't know. I saw a an idea that I really liked, but obviously it would be impossible to coordinate. Of every bowl team should run four verts on the first play of the game to honor Mike Leach. I thought that was a great idea, but yeah. obviously it's, it's just so difficult to uh to put together. That would be really cool. I, I expect so many people have given out ideas. You know the team is also uh, coming up with things that they can do as well. I'm, I'm very curious isn't the right word. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. It, it's just it's something romantic about sports that even through a tragic situation, two of them yeah, they always happened find to something. this team this year, beauty can come from that. It's it's Yeah. Anyway, that's that's usually how it goes. That team has been through a lot this season, and that's the understatement of the century. It really has, yeah. One more, then we'll get to food. Bring the Maryland eye back. Yeah, the the two fullbacks, and then <laughs> just go wild with it. Um, that would be a lot of fun. If Dylan Johnson were still around, I might I might be in favor of that, but I don't know who could play fullback for this team. Oh, just put anybody there. Who cares? Uh, just, yeah, sure. Just find just put an extra lineman in there. Boogie Watson could do it. We Somebody says throw the ball into the pirate ship. That's a yeah. long throw. That thing's huge, too. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to waste a red zone throw for that. You need to be you need to be go driving into it. Yeah, there's nobody in college football that can do that from, like, the 50. The 50? Levis could do it. Yeah, but instead of throwing it into the pirate ship, well, he well, would he, throw it yeah. like he he'd would throw it to, a, to the to the to the English. Yeah, Zach Arnett. He'd find, he'd find yeah, he'd find somebody else's ship to throw it into. So someone out in the bay somewhere would get pegged by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. But this is Friday, obviously, and it's just after 5.20, a few minutes after 5.20. That means it's time for Food Friday. Some of the most fun we have on this show is talking about our obsession with great barbecue and grilling out. Every Friday at this time, we talk about just that. Food Friday is brought to you by our good friends at Polk's Meat. Each week, we'll talk about our favorite ways to grill their delicious Polk's original Cajun or garlic and green onion sausages, as well as our other Barbecue favorites, no buts about it. Folks, picky people pick Polk's. Brian, hey, Dad, what are you cooking this weekend? Ah, not this weekend. Got a, We're going to my sister-in-law's house tomorrow for uh, sort of uh, that side of the family Christmas, and then we're out. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be some barbecue eaten because, you know, we got to drive through Memphis on the way. I'm going to try to see what I can pull off there. Is there anywhere we can stop? But... No time to cook this week, and I, I will be cooking free until uh, till Christmas Day. Good for you. Man. Now Christmas Day, I'm I'm set up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I know what I'm doing there, but so yeah. we won't hear from I you. Got a big, well, I've got a big uh, pork butt. I think I'm going to cut it, cook it though, like as a pork roast. So I don't want to pull it. I want to be able to slice it. 
Okay. So we'll put that out there on the grill. And I, you know, instead of taking it to like 190, maybe take it to like 170 and just get a good bark on it. And then I got to break that potato ricer out again and do some mashed potatoes and gravy. That's just, just too much fun. And then some sort of, some sort of vegetable that will definitely involve some bacon, maybe some green beans, green beans, bacon. I love this that's, country that, that's so what we're much. Having for on Christmas Day. A vegetable yeah. that has bacon. <coughs> God bless America. Yeah, I mean, if you can't put bacon in your vegetables, what's the point? Speaking of that, Debbie in Ocean Springs is upset with Richard. She sent us four pictures, and he ignored them last Friday. We won't do that this time. Uh, backstrap stuffed with cream cheese, mushrooms, and bacon wrapped. In the oven, along with Polk's Cajun sausage and bacon-wrapped asparagus. Looks outstanding. I don't know how he could have ignored that, but uh, you know, blame him for that. We would never. It's all Richard's fault. Yes. And that that's true about everything. Speckle Belly Goose and Venison Sausage Gumbo from Doug and Jackson looks outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. A lot of people doing gumbo. People doing we got gumbo. a bunch yeah, of gumbo on here. It, 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 it's, it's, it's that time of year. It's going to be colder this weekend. It's time to break out the Dutch oven. It's time for chili. Somebody was asking us, I said on the, the commercial for Polk's, that uh, it says to do chili with Polk sausage. And they said, have you ever done that? I haven't, but why would it be bad? You haven't put you know, uh, render out the sausage links into your into your chili? I never have, no, but, I mean, that's I've a great idea. Or even better, just to chop it up, render out the fat, and let that get into the chili itself, and then you got the chunks of, of, of smoked sausage in there. How, yeah. how could it be bad? It can't be. I'll, I, I will answer that question for you. I've done it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend doing it as the only meat. I, like It's <laughs> it's like a complimentary, complimentary meat. When you do it as the only one, it's not... Um, yeah. It 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 becomes more like a like a stew as opposed to a chili. But I have chopped it up you, and, and added you. it to chili. It's quite good, actually. I mean, you can't. I, mean, I had a jambalaya last weekend with uh, with some pork sausage, and it was fantastic. Somebody says my by wife the way, said it was put, too uh, spicy, which means it was just right. Good. That's how you know it's too spicy. That means it was just right. Dude, my little guy loves spicy food. I'm I'm so excited. There you go. I mean, he, he and I get along. He'll eat. Uh, you know, we haven't tested him, right? Like, I haven't doused his stuff in hot sauce yet. But, like, those uh, those pretzels that I get at every gas station, anytime I'm taking a road trip, I buy a bag of hot buffalo wing uh, pretzels. Yeah. He eats them no problem, loves them. Like, just just begs for there more every time. Are you so doing the flaming Hot Cheeto thing with him yet? Loves it. Yeah. Likes to eat lemon. Got to be well. careful with them when they're little, though. That'll, that you can tear them up. You got to be careful with that stuff. Yeah. And he, uh, because of, not because of me, because of my wife, he actually eats quite well. So I'm, mm-hmm. it's always me that's like sneaking him the processed stuff that he's not supposed to have. <laughs> Your dad, that's your job. Yeah, I'm, anyway. Well, uh, they, yeah, we're, we're, we're here for, for a good time, not a long time. Let's go. Um, this isn't food, but can the defense... Can the defense not decline a delay of game penalty? They can, so but people will do it just for fun, almost. Yeah. Like making more of a, a scene, if you will, out of it. Yeah. Hammy gives you advice, says keep it around 275, 290 for five hours indirect. You'll be good to go. That's probably the way I'm going to go, yeah. I've never had it that do way. Do like some sort of like, 
like savory, like a garlic butter kind of marinade or something, or, or, or rub. And, uh, yeah, build a nice bark up on it and go from there. Because, you know, pork's done at 165, you know. You, you take it that extra 30-plus degrees so that you can pull it apart. But you can you can pull it off at 165, 170, and it's just fine. We get a message that says, y'all ignore me all the time. Well, Debbie's nice to us, number one. Number two, I'm sorry, I, I really truly don't try to ignore. If you're going to send us a message, I like to read them. Sometimes we just miss them. It is not uh, not on purpose. You know, unless you're going to be like Bo, in which, hey, that's going to ignore Bo from Indianola as best he can anyway. Well, until Bo makes a mistake, in which case I'm going to pounce. And it's every time, so I don't have to worry about it. Get one smoked ham, broccoli, casserole, abs, potatoes, etc. Usual Christmas stuff. Nothing wrong with the usual. There you go. Hey, we're not going to have a food Friday on Christmas now that you think about it. We will like not. the 23rd, we're off. So, yeah, if you got some Christmas stuff to, you know, you got a couple seconds left here. We might go to the next segment. We need to. Ooh, that soup looks good, Jeff. Homemade vegetable soup and cornbread. Outstanding. Did I tell you about the time I had blueberry cornbread and I loved it? What? Yes. I don't know about that. Oh, man. I don't really I, see, like I didn't think so either. With, so. But I was at uh, Fresh Market, which is the best smelling place in America. Like, Bourbon Street is the worst smelling place in America. <laughs> Fresh Market is the best smelling place in America. But right at the checkout, they had blueberry cornbread. Oh, and, my gosh. Buddy, Wasn't expecting that. It was outstanding. I mean, I like I've been looking for it every time I go back, which isn't that often because it's a little bit above my pay grade. But when I go, I've been looking for it and I can't find it. I'm gonna make it myself. Blueberry cornbread's awesome. We'll get some more of your messages when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Pearl River Resort Studio. Or Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This show was previously recorded. We have basically reached the end of the coaching carousel season. Uh, unless something happens when we get to Black Monday in the NFL and you see a lot of jobs open up, you know, if you were to have a college coach possibly make the move to the NFL, then that could maybe set off another small spin of the carousel. But Borky, it's feels like it's done. Over. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we'll see what NFL jobs come open, but it's kind of slick, cyclical, right? There was a big trend of hiring college coaches, and and they failed largely. Urban Meyer didn't work. He was a spectacular failure. Matt Rule didn't work in Carolina. Doesn't appear that Cliff Kingsbury's working in Arizona. And so you might see, because that is very much a copycat league, yeah. other teams avoid going down that road. Take Ryan Day, for example. Everybody thinks Ryan Day is going to be the next NFL head coach, but Ryan Day has more talent than every team he plays except for one. And for the last two years, he has lost to that one team. If you're an NFL team, are you going to take a guy that doesn't have to out-scheme anybody? They just out-athlete people. It's a risk, and we're seeing the the results of that. So I would cool on Ryan Day if I were an NFL team. That's just me. Yeah, the NFL is about it's about scheme, it's about execution, it's about preparation. 
It's more of a chess match than detail. college football. You know, and, and, and there's actually, it's not really the direction I intended to go here, but there are a lot of reasons that Lane Kiffin would make sense in the NFL for a second time if it, if it were to get to that. But there are also some reasons that he might not make as much sense. I have no idea what happened to the video feed. Borky, it froze, and I tried to refresh it. I don't know if it was an internet blip or what. But I love that image, though. Yeah, I just hit refresh, and so you're stuck with whatever image that was. <laughs> um, and, you know, a high level of organization and... Um, you said it, like, attention to detail. Attention to detail and, like, I mean, schedule... Everything is exactly how it's supposed to be. And those aren't necessarily the areas that Lane Kiffin is known to be the most strident. In terms of scheme and play calling and drawing it up, I mean, look, this is, I'm not saying it could never happen again, but the idea of Lane Kiffin as an offensive coordinator in the NFL would be scary to other NFL teams. Yep. But he's kind of past that point, right? I mean, yeah. un- unless something happens career-wise that causes it to go south or, be, you know, whatever. And you never know what the, the future holds. He's a head coach. He's not a he's not a coordinator at this point in his career with, with what he has accomplished. So, yeah, we'll see. So, looking at some of the hires that were made, you know, you can kind of grade them based on what you think. Although you probably would get, have given really high marks to Florida for going and getting Billy Napier from Louisiana a year ago, I still think that's going to work. I do too. I do. Sometimes it works faster than others, and the question is how much time are you going to get? There is a fascinating one though. You remember that immediately after the game, like in the locker room after the game. After America's game, Ken Niamatololo was fired. His athletics director, Chet Gladchuck, came into the locker room and said, basically, it's over. And Ken Niamatololo kind of fired back after he had a little bit of time to cool off. Basically, look, let me work the rest of my contract. I thought we were different at the Naval Academy, et cetera, et cetera. And... Chet Gladchuck, for for his, I don't know if it's to his credit or just his part in this, he made no bones about why they fired Ken Niamatololo. He said, the expectation here is to go to a bowl game and to beat Army. And we're not going to a bowl game and we didn't beat Army again. And I know you beat Army a bunch of times in a row, but that was then and this is now and you're out. And we told you what the expectations were. You knew what they were. You didn't accomplish them and boom. I mean, they wasted no time. But the hire is an intriguing one. They promote their defensive coordinator, Brian Newberry, to head coach. Listen to this quote, Borgie. This is, this is high-level stuff from the AD. It's unlike any quote I've ever heard from an athletics director. Coach Newberry is respected and was highly endorsed by many within the Navy football family. Brian is organized, innovative, intelligent, inspirational, and brings an expectation of competitive toughness that has made Navy one of the top defensive units in the nation. 
the span of his experience at a number of institutions, coupled with four years in Annapolis, has allowed him to create a vision for Navy football that is all-encompassing and very logical as it pertains to the way ahead. Often there comes a time in the careers of highly accomplished coaches in our profession when documented credibility aligns with logical leadership opportunity, and Coach Newberry's time is now. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And by the way, the athletics director has said publicly that Navy is expected to continue to run the triple option. You know, there's a guy that just came out of a job that's really good at that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Ken Niamato. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting for, I mean, and Georgia Tech already did it. I'm still waiting for a, a program that doesn't have the resources to compete to decide, you know what, forget it. We're just going to go triple option. It worked for Georgia Tech, man. It really did. I mean, yes, the, their games could kind of get boring because watching the triple option every week as a fan probably gets pretty old. I bet they wish they had Paul Johnson's results right now, though. He took them to an Orange Bowl. Won the division, what, twice? Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to lower your academic standards, you're going to keep just recycling coaches if you're Georgia Tech. I, I mean, Vanderbilt, I guess they don't have to. They've had success without it. But I've, I have so often think about if a program like a Vanderbilt decided we can't keep up with Tennessee, we can't keep up with Georgia, we can't keep up with Alabama, and now that the schedule's going to change, we're going to have to play all these jokers. Let's just run the triple option and be a thorn in their side every single Saturday, and we're going to win some of these. There, There is a distinct disadvantage for the service academies, more so than there's ever been. There is no NIL. Not Federal law does not allow extra benefits for student-athletes who are service academy members. Like, un- unless, unless federal law changes, there is no NIL for Naval Academy, Army Black Knights, Air Force Academy Falcons. They, they don't get any extra. And you can't tra- use transfer portal. Guys can transfer out, but in terms of taking guys in through the transfer portal? Can't happen. It's it's basically impossible for that to happen. And, and so you've got to overcome that. You've got to deal with that. And yet the expectation is still, better go win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, which means beating Air Force and beating Army if you're at Navy. And then on top of that, you need to get to bowl eligibility. Which is not impossible, right? I mean, you're talking about winning six or seven games on an annual basis. Yeah. And and you need to beat the other service academies. That's the expectation. Uh, but it's really difficult. Because, I, I don't know if I told you this or not, so we were talking with Ken Niamatololo in one of our calls this year before a game. I had uh, East uh, Navy at East Carolina. And um, he said, you know, we don't have any NIL. I said, well, Coach, you've actually got something that nobody else in the the country can offer. And he kind of looked at it, he's like, what's that? He's like, just tell him you'll give him a fighter jet. Like, who else can offer a $60 million fighter jet? <laughs> Come on, man, you got to think out of the box a little bit. He was kind of amused by that. Oh, man. What about some of these other hires, though? Mississippi State's is different, right? Mississippi State did not elect to make a coaching change. They had to out of necessity because of the 
untimely passing of Mike Leach. But given the situation that they were dealing with, it feels like, especially without an athletics director, Mark Keenum made a a good decision. I do think it was the easiest decision in terms of not having to figure out how to go through a search and bring in a new face and have staff turnover and all of those things. But, but I mean, easy in terms of logistically it was easy, not like that was the easy way out. And so Zach Arnett, at 36 years old, gets an opportunity. And Borky, I don't know how in the world... That, that's not a hire that we can grade today. There's some of these you can look at, right? I mean, you can look at Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin and go, you know what, Wisconsin gets a really good grade for this hire. All we can do is wait for a while with Zach Carter. We'll look a few at a few of these others as we wrap things up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This show was previously recorded. Keeping you up to date with news, weather, and politics that affect you and your family. Super Talk Mississippi News. Your news all the time. On air and online. Super Talk Mississippi News at supertalk.fm. This is where the story of your state gets told each day. We're proud to cover the Magnolia. This show was previously recorded. They were farm kids way down in Dixie, betting high school in the city. All right, boys, so we wrap things up today. We were just kind of dipping our toes into the water of kind of grading some of the hires that have been made in college football this year. Um, I mentioned Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. On the surface, without a game having been played, I give that an A. And it's especially fascinating to me because of the hire that Luke Fickle made at offensive coordinator. They're going to go with a complete scheme change. Identity change. An identity change at Wisconsin with Phil Longo coming in to call offensive plays. And they already got a quarterback commitment, too, didn't they? In the transfer portal, it was, uh... Oh, good. The kid from Virginia. Right? I don't remember. Anyway. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. You're talking about Brennan Armstrong? Uh, Nick Evers, they got from Oklahoma. That's it. A former four-star, old Miss recruited him hard. But I also think that uh, Armstrong is going to transfer there, play his one year, and then hand it off to Evers. All right. Well, we'll see how that works out. Jeff Brom leaves Purdue. Louisville once again made a run at a, kind of a favorite son and goes back to his alma mater. Deep family ties to Louisville. What do you make of Jeff Brom to Louisville? It just makes sense, right? And he he's had Purdue fun, at least. And the the Louisville thing is fascinating. Cincinnati replacing Fickle with Satterfield it seems like an NFL team hiring John Fox. You know, it just 
It just feels like you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's not going to be satisfactory. But by God, he's a power five Didn't head Tom coach. Fox so take Carolina to a Super Bowl, but he kept getting jobs despite mediocre results. Uh, I mean, okay. uh, that that feels like Cincinnati went with a, a retread. Despite, I mean, it's like Houston not leaving Arkansas. Louisville fans are pumped that he's gone. They they get a total reset and get to bring in what they think is a better coach and a better fit. And maybe the Scott Satterfield, maybe pressing reset is good for everybody. I mean, I mean, Scott Satterfield has proved that he can be a good coach. He was at Appalachian State. It never really worked at Louisville. And as Cincinnati makes the transition to the Big 12, they probably felt like they needed a proven head coach. Um. So, so if you're kind of looking at those two together, right? I mean, you you would give Louisville at least a B, and you'd give Cincinnati. I mean, a, certainly a passing grade. Yeah, it's oh, kind yeah. of a wait and wait and see thing with Scott Satterfield. Deion Sanders to Colorado. It's got to be an A for Colorado, at least in the short term. We'll see how it works, right? We'll we'll, we'll see what the results are. But Colorado is a team that was an afterthought for everybody. They went 1-11 this year. They haven't recruited well. The results on the field haven't been good. There's been apathy around that program. And there is an energy around Colorado football that has not existed in a really, really long time. Yeah, that was the kind of place. They, they were almost desperate. I mean, a horrible mm-hmm. football team. Recruiting terribly, fan base disengaged. Their their team store has crashed multiple times from people trying to <laughs> buy stuff. And, I mean, he's already got uh, the the transfers already are guys that Colorado could have never dreamed getting. I mean, the, the recruiting has already picked up so strongly. The staff hires have been good. You know, I don't think he's going to go undefeated in year two two, or I guess year three, what he did at Jackson State at Colorado, I don't think that that's going to happen, but they are immediately more interesting and fun and immediately have better players than they could have gotten otherwise. No doubt. And the Pac-12 is getting weaker. USC's leaving. USC and UCLA are leaving. Going to the Big Ten. A year and a half. Yeah. Um, Matt Rule at Nebraska. I love the fit there. I know we've talked a lot about Nebraska will never be what it was, but Matt Rule has proven to be a program builder at the college football level. Difficult jobs, too. He built at Temple, really difficult place to win. He built Baylor out of a cesspool into a really good team, and then he left for the NFL. And he left it in great shape for Dave Aranda. And then there's Hugh Freeze at Auburn. We don't have time to necessarily debate it today. We can get into that tomorrow and talk more about these jobs and more of what's happening in the college football landscape. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk brought to you every day in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com or check out one of the men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi that has genteel apparel still available for you and your Christmas shopping list. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios.
This show was previously recorded. Keeping you up to date with news, weather, and politics that affect you and your family. Super Talk Mississippi News. Your news all the time. On air. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG EmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.